Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. All right, guys, welcome back. It's another episode of Box Office Benders. Matt, who do we have with us today? Oh, we have the wonderful Hadass Brown joining us today in our very special episode. How are you doing today, Hadass? I'm good. I'm so flattered you just called me wonderful. You usually think <laughs> like the rubbiest point of the day. <laughs> It is what uh, at our uh, the height of our day is probably at five o'clock in the morning. I get it. We're not we're not all cheery, and we're not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not cheery either. So we're not we're not there. But we get through it. We do. We all get yeah, through. Power through. through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a mutual understanding. <laughs> uh, Hadass is a local reporter here in Orlando, and so we're going to talk to her and what she does uh, later on in the show. We're also going to be reviewing uh, the limited series on Netflix, Unorthodox, uh, which uh, I have. I had quite a bit to say about it, Ernesto. Honestly, I'm quite surprised. Yeah, <laughs> um, of how much you know that that I have opinions about the show. And uh, yeah, so before that, we're going to talk about some movie news. Uh, just just maybe 30 minutes before we started recording here, uh, a lot of big delays just happened yet again. Hadass, are you a fan of Marvel at all? Oh, I am. I am. Oh, well, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for some of these movies again. Right. um they recently delayed a slew of new movies including black widow was supposed to come out on november 20th i'm sorry november 16th of this year they delayed it all the way to may 7th 2021 and then as well as the other marvel movies coming after it they're also delaying that um 20th century studios uh decided to delay the death of the nile which is the new kenneth Branagh. Uh, film from the sequel of Murder on the Orient Express that was supposed to come out October of this year. They pushed it back just a little bit uh, to November. And probably the biggest one to come, uh, the biggest delay, I should say, is from Steven Spielberg's uh, newest film is West Side Story. He's remaking that from, uh, I think that movie came out many, many years ago. At least the the movie of that version came out. And um, that was supposed to come out this Christmas, so December of this year. They delayed it a full year, Ernesto, to uh, December of 2021. So not uncommon to hear all these movie delays uh, happening yet again. No, <clears throat> I mean they're just trying to they're trying to adjust to what the theaters are going. You know, they're trying to find their pocket of you know, oh, this is where I'm going to make the most money. You know, yeah. we're starting to see the trickle effect as the theaters start to reopen. Yeah, pretty much. And so, like, we saw what Disney did with Mulan. We saw what Warner Brothers did with Tenet. And so I guess they're all looking at the numbers and we're like, yeah, we're not ready for a Marvel movie. We're not ready for these big blockbusters, unfortunately. Uh, but so they're all making adjustments from from there. Uh, Hadass, have you been have you taken advantage of any of the video on demand or went to the theaters or did Mulan at Disney Plus, any of that stuff? So we haven't really we haven't done any of that. We've definitely been uh kind of jumping on any new TV content, more or less as soon as it drops. I honestly uh, bummed to hear about Black Widow, 
very bummed to hear about West Side Story because we already, I mean, I'm a big musical theater kid, big musical theater kid. And In the Heights was already put off. Yeah. Uh, You know, you never really know what to think of a a remake like West Side Story coming. But, man, the the hits just keep coming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least for us, you know, I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan, and Esther, you are the same as well. So at least we got a little bit of the Hollywood blockbuster yeah. season in. We got, we got, you know, Tenant in there. Uh, but yeah, this comes no surprise. Universal, I mean, right at the beginning, delayed all of their movies to 2021. They weren't even thinking about 2020. So I guess everyone else was trying to like catch up. But ultimately, it looks like all these movies are just being delayed exactly one year from its 2020 release date. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, another interesting note is that uh, Disney decided not to delay Pixar Soul as well as uh, Free Guy, which is from uh, their uh, their the, since they own 20th Century Studios as well, uh, the new Ryan Reynolds film. So the rumors are kind of spreading, basically saying that maybe those two films are if they're not going to commit to a theater, they're going to be Disney Plus premium access films. So if you are looking forward to Soul or Free Guy, there's a chance that you might be getting it to see it this year. But other than that, you're, you're you know everything else in 2021. But then they're gonna do it the same way they do with Mulan. So they're gonna release it initially. You pay the thirty dollars, and then they're gonna take it away, and then it'll be available for all Disney Plus members, right? Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. All right. So you just gotta wait. That's fine. Gotta wait. Yeah. <laughs> At least for me. <laughs> I don't have to see it that bad. There's so much other stuff to watch. (laughs) Um, So none of that is confirmed, though. That's just rumors. They're not saying that those movies are coming to Disney Plus. But if they're not if you're already deleting, uh, delaying your big blockbusters to theaters, why would you still have movies coming out in the theaters? Is kind of like the question. So. So, yeah. So all of that, more delays, no surprises there. Um, And then also uh, we have uh, the next bit of news we have is the Emmys. Emmys was uh, very different this year. Hadass, said you were able to catch a little bit of it before you went to sleep? I, I did. I caught uh, the fake out at the beginning, and yeah. it was it was fascinating. You know, we are kind of sitting there watching and thinking, okay, when's the joke going to drop? When's the joke going to drop? Right. Because they're showing one celebrity after another who has, <laughs> you know, they've all been so vocal about masks. And, like, you got to know, there's no one there. They, they publicized it. It was a, a wonderful fake out. And, uh, yeah. it, you know, they, they held on to the joke for a while. <laughs> you yeah. kind of, you breathe almost a little sigh of relief because, you know, you're thinking, okay, I knew there wasn't anyone there, but my right. God, they held on to that one a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was like a good almost 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, Jimmy Kimmel, we can, we can move on from this. <laughs> right. We know you can command a stage on your own, Jimmy. Let's just move it along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're, but aside from the, the fake out, did we able to catch at least how they were able to like do the awards and what they're advertising before you went to bed? Cause I thought it was quite interesting. I actually set up for the whole thing. I regretted it later, but <laughs> I, right. I, I thought the explanation of, um, you know, they had everyone kind of in on zoom right. and I think that was probably about within the seven thirty to eight o'clock mark, which is my lights out, you know, gotta be up at two AM cutoff. Right, <laughs> so right. so I'll have to hear it from you. <laughs> uh yeah, so I decided for some reason, uh, cause I had work the next thing. Like I was I was thinking the same thing you were. You know what? I'm gonna stay up for a little bit and just watch this. And then and then one went to two hours and two went to three hours and I was like, oh it's already eleven. Why am I not why am I awake right now? I'm done. <laughs> Uh, but I ended up watching the whole thing, and uh, it was quite interesting. You know, they 
tried to make it fun. Luckily, like good for them, they didn't have any like internet issues, which I was uh, expecting they were going to. It kind of went off without a hitch, in my opinion. Uh, some of the jokes kind of ran flat. Uh, just because there's nothing to bounce back from as as a host. But, uh, you know, they were able to give awards. I think they kind of knew they were getting it and they might have to act in surprise or maybe it was just a gimmick for TV because they were handed awards like right when they received it. And they were saying that they had like mystery boxes that they sent to everybody that if you won, it was just going to pop out an award at the time of the of the announcing of the winner. I'm not sure how much I believe that. Uh, but I have a feeling all these people are actors, so I think they can act of winning an award. Right. <laughs> like, if you've got a mystery box at your house and it doesn't have an Emmy in it, what do they put in it? They're just sending yeah. you a, an empty box and acting like it's super heavy. That right, work. exactly. <laughs> Don't touch it. I'm like, well, I have to yeah. carry it inside the house. So, um, <laughs> But let's go over some of the winners. Uh, uh, Hadass, have you watched any of Schitt's Creek? Okay, so I love that show. Okay. Um, they, But I've watched all of it on Netflix. So I haven't seen uh, this big final season that just yeah. absolutely swept up. You know, I have such an appreciation for all the characters. I think it's always been great, but for them to have, you know, just absolutely dominated the way that they did, this final season must have been something amazing, and I'm not going to find out for like another week until it shows up on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so I am I'm currently getting through it. I'm almost done with season four. I'm about to start season five. I think I have like three more episodes left in season four. Then there's season five, and then obviously the six seasons, the final season. And so since you're kind of caught up, I, I'm and I was talking to uh, my girlfriend Megan about this, and I was like, "Am I missing something here? Has the big like did the big foot just drop on like they really did something big maybe in season five, or they're doing something like really meaningful?" Uh, so like I agree with you. I don't know what the big thing that they did that you know, received all of these awards. Now I, I love the show and I think I'm happy that it won all of these awards, but I'm kind of like, like right now in season four, I'm like, the show's good, but like to sweep like that good. I don't know. For right. Sure. And the, the fact that it, it beat out, you know, the good place and yeah. it just, and I, you know, I'm such a big good place fan. So that's Same. what my brain just goes to automatically. But I, there's, Throughout the show, you know, David had such a, a powerful journey mm -hmm. and Catherine O'Hara has always just been like an absolute treasure and she makes me laugh until I cry. But yes. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm like, they must have done something really big in season six that I just haven't gotten to see yet. And right. I am so intrigued. <laughs> yes, yeah, same. Uh, so just in, in case you didn't know, uh, season six is coming on Netflix October 7th. They made that announcement a couple of days ago. So I'm definitely going to be that's like my time limit now. I got I got until October 7th to see up until the end of season five. Um, but yeah, so Schitt's Creek basically dominated in every comedy, every award it was nominated for. It, it, it won. Uh, it got it for best actress, best actor, best writing and directing, best supporting actor, best supporting actress and best comedy series. Um, basically, you know, the whole main cast got it. Dan Levy, who won for Best Supporting Actor, is also the creator with his dad, uh, Hugo Leaving, and, uh, or Uring Leaving, and um, he, uh, Dan Levy also won for Best Writing and Directing. So, uh, it also noted that they'd never been nominated for an Emmy before this year, which is crazy to think about. And they also made history of um, winning every category they were nominated for, which I don't think has ever been done for a comedy or drama series. So 
pretty big it's deal. Wild. It is I, right. I think part of it too, I wonder, is just you know the they really caught fire over the past couple of years. Like I, from my point of view, it didn't seem you know. I, I didn't know many people who watched it. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden over the past, you know, two years or so, every girl I know has seen this show and is walking around going, Ew, David. And like <laughs> everyone all of a sudden knows this show. So you, I, from my point of view, I wonder kind of if that plays in at all, that it was just flying under the radar right. for so long. And then you come out swinging. Yeah. They could be, they could be like, Hey, we didn't give this show its justice or it's due for so long. We're going to give it to them all of it right now. Uh, which could easily be the thing. I actually didn't really get into the show or didn't even really know about the show when I saw the, no- so these Emmy nominations got dropped in July and I was like, Whoa, this show, I know I've heard about it. And all of a sudden it has all these nominations. I gotta, I gotta go check it out. And so that's how I even got introduced to it. So, yeah, congratulations to Shikri. Ernesto, does that make you want to go watch the show now? Yes. <laughs> you already knew that. But, yeah. you know, but, you been, but you had been talking it up for so long. Like, I these know. past couple of weeks, like, you've been just talking about how great the show is. And I've heard so many so many other friends of mine watch it. So it's definitely going to be next on my list. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the Mandalorian. Ernesto, you and I have been big fans of that show for a while. Uh, Hadass, did you ever catch it on Disney Plus? I have not. No. Are you a Star Wars fan at all? I, I've seen them. Um, most of the, the new ones, too. But I, you know, I'm not deep in enough to have uh, watched Mandalorian. I got you. I got you. Uh, I, well, that... I, would say, I would say that you could watch it and enjoy it without having prior Star Wars knowledge, because it's just like a like a good like Western drama. Yeah, I agree to that. Like, it, it's fun for Star Wars fans. But if you're not a fan of Star Wars, but you just like. Like, yeah, like, like Ernesto said, like Western-ish vibes, that's kind of like, you can enjoy it for what it is. It's kind of like an, uh, a fantasy outer space Western kind of Correct. show. Yeah. Uh, well, that one, pretty big. Nothing, it didn't win any of the televised uh, uh, nom- Emmys, uh, but it did win a lot of technical ones. So sound mixing, visual effects, mainly specifically for Baby Yoda. It won, it, like I, I read somewhere, it's like, it's for Baby Yoda. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for visual effects, sound editing, production design, cinematography, music composition, and stunt coordination. You know, um, Ernesto, our boy uh, Ludwig Garrison, who is the uh, you know Black Panther, he won an Oscar for that, and so now he won an Emmy for The Mandalorian. So that's good to hear. Um, moving on to limited series, you know, Ernesto, we love Watchmen, and they kind of took over this category as well. Uh, Regina King won for Best Actress. Which is she was fantastic. great. She was the queen. She was the queen. Whatever. She she dominated that series. Yes, she did. Uh, Watchmen also won for best uh, limited series as well as uh, best writing as well. Mark Ruffalo won for best actor for the HBO limited series. I know this much is true. Now, it's, but he technically played two roles, so they didn't. Yeah. They weren't specific. He, pl- he played him and his twin brother. Correct. I haven't seen. I started it. It's. Very, very intense. I have, so I, I think eventually I'm going to go back to it, but it's one of those you got to be in the mood. It's very, very intense material. Yeah. Um, Hadass, have you watched any of Watchmen or uh, I Know This Much Is True? I, I haven't. Watchmen is on the list. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very close to the top of the list. Very, I, I, I recommend if that, that that's not the next thing. It would be the next to next thing because okay. that show – is amazing. Uh, we we yeah. kind of raved about it a, a while ago, back when uh, it was coming on weekly. Actually, I think it was Adrian who really 
got us yes. into the show because he saw it like night one and he's like, you got to watch this show. I'm like, all right, calm down, calm down. What's, yeah. what's going on? What's this about? <laughs> I am also in the Adrian Witset club of TV recommendations. Yeah, right? So I'm, I'm just going to talk more about that later. I, I trust more or less any TV recommendation he gives us. Yaha Abdul Mateen, the second one for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Yuzo, if I said that name correctly, uh, Yudaba, I think that's also misspelled uh, or missaid. Anyway, uh, she won for Best Supporting Actress for Miss America. And um, Best Directing went to Unorthodox, which is the limited series we're going to be talking about later today. So that's exciting to hear. Actually, did not start the show yet when I, this, this award game came out. So I was like, I, I started it late. Like, I literally finished it like two hours before we started recording. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, okay, look, I'm, I'm happy that this limited series got an award. That's basically what my thought process was. So yeah, so it kind of the, spreading the wealth a little bit for the limited series, but basically the the final, uh, most of the awards went to Watchmen. And then for drama, Ernesto, your show Succession Great came show. out on top. I have still yet to see it. Uh, Adas, are you on Succession? I, I haven't, but you guys know who's a huge fan. Uh, one of our producers, Allie, is a okay. massive succession fan. She loves it. She talks it up all the time. Really? Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, Ernesto, <laughs> Ernesto talks it's, it up, too, and he keeps telling me, you got to watch so it. It's so good. It's so good, especially because we, you know, we work in a media corporation. So it's like it's kind of it's, it's kind of interesting to see, like, their interpretation of what that higher level corporate life is like. Right. Okay. Interesting. Well, that won for best drama series for two years in a row now. We also won last year. It also won for best directing, best writing, and best actor, Jeremy Strong. Um, I don't know exactly who he plays in the show because obviously I haven't seen it, but he won for best actor. Zendaya won for best actress for Euphoria, which is also on HBO. And Another incredible. You watched <laughs> it? I don't know you good. watched it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Euphoria is great. It's the main thing about Euphoria is the the thing that really catches you. They do they do something just like I'd like I'm watching it with my wife and she gets annoyed because you know I'm like all right I'm gonna have to stop and rewind that because I need to see how they made that happen. Basically about like <laughs> you know youth and taking drugs and stuff like that. Right. So some they really tie some of the cinematography to it, especially when they're using in the show. So like um. I remember this one scene where they're walking into the club and it's just like it's going overhead and all of a sudden it just flips 360 and then you're with them watching the um you're with them in the club and it's like where was that cut like I didn't see that like how did that happen it's almost like spacing out like it's you're you're almost like they shoot it as almost if like you're on the drug trip with them it's very but it's very well done very well done so and she her Zendaya is she's an phenomenal and a uh, phenomenal actress. Yeah, and she I believe now she is the youngest person to ever receive that award. So congratulations to her. Uh, best supporting actor of the morning show, uh, Billy Kurdup, uh, I believe his name is. I, I I think he played like the like the CEO or one step down from the CEO, and so he won best supporting actress for that. And then Ernesto, another one of our shows that we love to watch, Ozark. Uh, Julia Garner for her uh, for Ruth. She plays Ruth on the show, and she won for a second year in yep. a row. So, uh, so yeah. So then, so congratulations. All so many shows. Ruth memes online. <laughs> I know, seriously, right? <laughs> uh, and then just a couple of some other ones that uh, just to mention that we you know we've happened to probably talked about on the show before. Uh, best TV movie went to Bad Education, which Ernesto we saw that sh- movie and it was great on HBO. 
Uh, we also had best uh, documentary series, yeah. The Lost Dance, on on Netflix, which is currently right now. It's ESPN, the Michael Jordan documentary series, and then for best documentary uh, special was the Apollo. That's on HBO. So yeah, I think all around, I think uh, I enjoyed watching the Emmys. So I think uh, I think this was a good year for the most part. That I think I think all the awards kind of. Aside from comedy, because comedy just went to one specific show. But yeah. all the other shows, I feel like everything else was kind of like, they spread the wealth a little bit. So I was happy to see all of that. All right, so now we're going to move on to what you're watching. So Hadass, this is kind of the, the, the point of the show where you kind of just free flow and tell us, tell everyone what kind of we've been watching aside from our uh, spoiler review, which is on Orthodox this week. So Hadass, what have you been watching this week? Or at, at all? So uh, I... I honestly, you could ask me, what are you not watching? Because we are just, <laughs> we've been watching so much TV in this pandemic. Um, so the main thing that we are on right now is that we have fallen deep into the rabbit hole that is the Arrowverse. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so much. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you how it started. Uh, we were both listening uh pretty heavily to the Scrubs rewatch podcast. And uh, they had Tom Cavanaugh on who played the main character's brother on Scrubs. And he said, well, the, you know, the show I'm doing now is the flash. And we were kind of in like a lull between shows. And so it was okay. I guess that's the next thing that we're going to watch. Uh, So it's been, I don't know, somewhere around a month probably, and we are well into season five of The Flash, and uh, my boyfriend has been watching Arrow on his own. That one's a little dark for me, but I pop in here and there when there are, are uh, Flash mentions, yeah. and uh, they they are just, oh god, it's a, it's a lot, but they are so smart because they do these crossover episodes where you have to then go and watch an episode of Supergirl and an episode of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and I just never thought this would be my afternoon on a weekday, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not mad about it at all. And uh, what else have we been watching? Um, we, uh, so I've been watching, uh, we, we've been on Psych for a little bit, which we're just about done with. Just kind of taking advantage of everything that's on there. And The Boys. Of course. Oh, okay. Yes. Which I did not know is, uh, you know, a thing that Amazon has been rolling out one week to another until... Mm-hmm season two started and yeah. I you know they, they released the first three episodes and I was like oh great they just released them early and then I was like wait where are the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute what's going yeah. on whoa <laughs> uh, but I guess I'm the person that they're releasing it one week at a time for because I remember so little of what happened in season one I had to go back through some IMDB episode guides and whatnot because I watched <laughs> all of that in probably one day um so it's probably for the better that I, you know, I've got a week to kind of marinate on each episode now. Yeah. And, and it's funny because uh, I was reading the article <laughs> yeah. and, and the directors and the creators of the show were saying that they, they the reason why they chose a week to week model, because they felt like that it was better for, um, you know, for, for, for the content. They would like for people to sit on what they were watching. Uh, but I think Ernesto and I are on the same page on this one where it's like, we're just going to wait till all of them are done. And then we're just going to do a, a complete binge on it. So did you guys do that um, yeah. for season one as well? well no, I, I think I think season one they dropped. Actually, I don't remember. I don't remember if they did it week to week for season one. I may have waited. But I actually, I started the first. I only watched the first episode. I watched the first episode. Oh, so, so, oh, so you're in it as well, Ernesto. Yeah, but I... I 
because uh, you know I have to wait for when my wife's around, and that's going to be very spotty in these next few months. So, right. Um, so we got to watch the first episode. I don't know how much we'll get through, but we'll see. Should be done pretty soon. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I was late to the game a little bit for the boys. So by the time I started season one, I did not. Uh, mm. I I it was already all out. So I don't know what the 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 timeline was for that. Um, but, but yeah, I know a lot of people were frustrated for some reason that the boys was coming out weekly. I, I don't understand why would, I mean, I understand why you would get mad at that, but also like a lot of other shows are doing that. Like, I don't, yeah, you can't yeah. be mad at, you can't be mad at Amazon for deciding to do that, that route. Right. We are so spoiled now that appointment television viewing for these, these dramatic big shows that we want to watch seems kind of beyond our grasp, which is so funny, but you know, we watched, um, when Umbrella Academy season two dropped, I think it was it was over a weekend or something. So we watched season one over Friday to Saturday and then season two over Saturday to Sunday. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's that's just how we do things now, especially <laughs> these days when everyone's trying to stay in a bit more than usual. Uh, right. So it's uh, it, it's funny. We are just so very spoiled. <laughs> Did you not watch um- Umbrella Academy before uh, the season two drop? No, because uh, someone had told us that it was, and I keep saying us, I'm referring to me and my boyfriend, I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) So someone had, I guess, told us that like season one wasn't that great or something, like maybe it wasn't worth watching. But then, you know, we saw that season two was going to be coming out. And so it kind of figured, okay, it has to be at least decent if it's getting season two. And uh it was just, I guess, season two dropping was just kind of the impetus for us finally uh, watching it, you know, because because we were so very busy. We had to really carve out time <laughs> from our busy <laughs> lives to make that happen. Um, but oh, my God, I I'm trying to think of what else we've been watching because it's so very much. I made like a mental list earlier. And of course, now all of the other things aren't even coming <laughs> to mind. But there's been a lot of television, needless to say. <laughs> I, I've. I'm surprised whoever said that season one was not that good. I, I guess they didn't understand it because season one was incredible, in my opinion, of Umbrella oh, Academy. Yeah. It a was lot really than season two, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I, I liked, I think the highlights, I, I, there's some good moments in season two, but I think, yeah, season one might be a little bit better. Um, but I do want to go back to the Arrowverse for a second. So it sounds like, and, and the only reason why I never continued watching all the Arrow shows, because there is a lot of content to consume there. Like you have, I don't know, like nine seasons of Arrow, whatever amount of seasons of Flash, DC, uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow's, Supergirl, Black Lightning likes to show up sometime. Then there's a Batwoman series on the side. And so there's, there's a lot and I kind of get overwhelming. So it sounds like based on what you were talking about, that it sounds like you decided to just stick on one show and then dabble into the others. Is that correct? Pretty much. Uh, so when there's like a they, you know, when they do the big crossovers, it's like, all right, I guess we have to watch an episode of Supergirl now. It is what it mm. is. I think maybe we'll circle uh, over to Supergirl when when we're done with the Flash. But these shows all started at different times. And so right. it's it's an interesting Netflix binge because, you know, I, I think you have to be very committed to go back and say, OK, well, they started at such and such date, so I'm going to start Arrow, and then I'm going to jump over to the Flash once we hit that. Like, you have to be pretty committed for that. Um, so I've pretty much just locked into the Flash, 
And once in a while, there is a line that they make that just completely flies over my head. And it's like, oh, okay, so that's where that character has been. I guess their storyline <laughs> just kind of transitioned over to uh, Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I think eventually we'll make our way through all of it. Uh, but it, it's a good balance of kind of, you know, most of our pandemic TV viewing has been on sort of the lighter side or the very comic booky side, which mm. is why I also so appreciate that you guys ask me to watch Unorthodox because it is so outside of just kind of this lighthearted bubble of content that we have stayed in. And so it's good to mix it up. Um, but so I, I think it's it's a good, if you're willing to kind of get up to your ears in ridiculous amounts of episodes that you have available to you. It's, it's a good way to go because it, it's not too mindless. It's just enough that they keep you hooked in. And if I could say one thing about CW shows, uh, and I, I, I've watched Riverdale, which is, you know, there are a lot of things one can say about Riverdale, but right. the, the CW shows do plot very well. You kind of, it might not be like the most highbrow kind of uh, content, but you're watching and you're thinking, how are they going to pull this off? I don't know. And then somehow they've got this twist always. Like whoever is <laughs> writing for them is doing a phenomenal job with plot structure. And that I can give them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always felt like that if I was going to do the Arrowverse, I have to commit. So like that was always like a daunting task for me because like I think I was five deep on uh, Arrow. And then I was like, okay, Flash now made an appearance in Arrow. I'm going to go watch Flash. And then I watched the first two seasons of Flash. And then then there was an episode where Supergirl was in Flash or vice versa. So I watched all of season one of Supergirl. And then I watched all of season one of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And then I'm at, I'm at a point right now where they started doing the first major crossover. And I'm like, I really don't want to like watch seven episodes of Arrow, then bounce over and watch three episodes of Flash to do two <laughs> episodes of Supergirl to go back and watch three more episodes of Flash. Oh, yeah. And then DC Legends of Tomorrow decided to do something. And then, like, I'm ready for the crossover. Like, I'm like, my brain right. is already melting. Is it, already. Is, it, is it Earth X? Is that the one that you got up to and you're like, I'm tapping out? <laughs> I, I never, I, I don't, the only crossover I ever got to was Flash and Arrow. That's it. None of the other ones. It's just like, I, I can, I can handle two. Oh, and there's four. And I'm like, no, I can't right now. There's just so much there. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. So it's interesting to hear that you're like, you know what? Screw all these other shows. I'm, I'm going to do this on my own time. I like Flash. I'm yep. going to commit to Flash. He's fun. I just, I appreciate yeah. when you kind of like have followed characters for a while and you kind of like, you're rooting for them. And it's it's got this kind of bright happy quality to it even though it's also inherently about all these things that are going wrong all the time because it's a superhero show so it's just a, a nice escapist piece of television and yeah. i kind of just let my boyfriend watch arrow and fill me in on what i've missed oh, yeah. <laughs> that works that's, that's not a bad time give me the highlights so many <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially <laughs> since those shows are 22 episodes long they're not it's not short and there's a lot of to get through so i again it's very daunting so yeah like i stepped off of it and i feel like eventually i'll get back on it but i don't know when or ever that will be it's uh, the pandemic viewing in there the you go yeah i guess it, <laughs> i guess so uh would that was would that be your highlight of your pandemic viewing you would say oh god um that's very honestly, I don't know what I would 
point to as the highlight of my pandemic viewing. I, I absolutely, I fell in love with Umbrella Academy season one once we finally watched it. Um, we also, after that, we watched um, The Magicians, okay. which was an Adrian recommendation. <laughs> and that show was wild. And we got through it pretty quickly uh, just because, man, that show hooks you. It's crazy. Um, so I don't know. It's very tough for me to say what the highlight would be. I'm just going to go. I'm, You know what? I kind of want to say the boys season one, which okay. we watched like, literally over the course of a weekend. But we kind of I, I guess maybe we just sort of discovered that Amazon Prime had content that we didn't watch before. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so we knocked out yeah. uh, Fleabag and then the boys. And so okay. it was just a solid stretch of just really powerful content that was, you know, very kind of contrasting vibes. Uh, between the two shows so it was it, it, there's been a lot of good stuff out there i'm waiting for when the lull is going to kick in just in terms right. of kind of running out but i but at the same time you kind of see these uh i i follow some actors on instagram and they'll post you know like pictures of them getting the the swab test and a caption like i'm doing this every day so that we can keep filming such and such so mm-hmm. i'm holding out hope that we're not going to have some uh, super quiet period where there's nothing new to binge. Um, but, you know, if we get there, I'll, I'll just read more books than usual. <laughs> <laughs> You're just switching the content over just a little bit. All right, time we move on to Ernesto. So, Ernesto, what have you been watching? So, actually, Matthew, this is like a shared what you've been watching. You know, we recently... Um, we were a guest on a friend of ours, Gia's podcast. Um, she does a DCOM party where she reviews Disney Channel original movies. Um, so we actually both watched uh, Phantom of the Megaplex. Uh, came out in two days. Very, very, very much a kids movie. I, very, I enjoyed it more. The, I think I enjoyed it more this time around. Kind of gave it, gave, it was like a deep appreciation for movies. Like kind of gave kids into it you know you see the kids into it and all that uh as i mentioned we started the boys season two the first, i love the way they open um i'm very there's some crazy shit that like right in the first couple scenes of the second season just some crazy shit happens just very similar to how season one opened so i'm very interested to see where they go from there uh as i mentioned to you matt uh son and i we've been powering through fresh prince of bel-air for me of course it's a rewatch, but for him it's like the first time um it's great it's great the episodes are great it's it's just so interesting to see that something that is so dated we're able to enjoy and like i get to re-enjoy him watching things that i enjoyed when i watched him when i was younger also Still, I wa- now I'm on the week-to-week schedule of The Vow. That's oh. that HBO documentary uh, about Nexium with, uh, um, I can't remember her name, Chloe Mack, the girl from Smallville. Yeah. I can't, I don't remember her real, I don't remember her real name. Her and Kristen Couric, they were a part of it. Uh, it's good. It's really, really good. I, lo- I love the way that it's shot. It's so interesting to from inside this organization because they literally filmed their entire lives. So, like... So you're hearing like real phone calls from them. You're getting real videos. It's super, super interesting. And uh, other than Orthodox, Matt, that's all I got this week. I've been busy. Okay. You know, my wife's like sell our house. So things are a little crazy over here at the household. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can definitely imagine that. I know you've been very busy with that. Um, but yeah, you know, like, like Ernesto said, uh, we saw a fan of the Megaplex after being a guest on uh, Gia. We've had her on the show. And so, yeah, it was very nostalgic uh, to watch that again, a, a Disney Channel movie. I haven't seen one in years. So that was fun to, to rewatch that. That episode is going to be out soon whenever she decides to put that out. Uh, and when she does, we'll let you know so you can hear us on her podcast when she does put it out. Um and so and so, yeah, I I am very jealous that you both now started the boys. Uh, I feel like I am holding it not just holding out for my own reason. <laughs> I, I feel like that I just want to, uh, you know, I feel like I'll I'll have a better viewing experience if I didn't have to wait for it. And so just being selfish for me. But <laughs> well, you know, here's what you can do because they're what five episodes in. <laughs> I you think could so. Watch yeah. You could watch four now and then wait for the other. What, oh, how many the other do they four. do? Do they do eight, ten? I think it's eight, yeah. Yeah, watch four and then four. So, you know, yeah. you at least get that time to kind of like process the first half of it. That's not a bad idea. You know, I might I might just do that. Yeah, Maybe I mean, next- yeah. there's no sense in waiting. It's so good. <laughs> you just have this. Yeah. <laughs> Cheat yourself on this show because you're missing out, man. <laughs> um. Yeah. Treat yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I have I, I've been basically binging Parks and Rec. I have never seen it before, and yeah, I, yeah, Hadass, I've I've never seen it. <laughs> um, and I, it's leaving Netflix very soon. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah, so I'm like, I think I think I gotta watch this show now because the accessibility is like dwindling. Um, it's leaving October 1st. So yeah, it's very, very soon. That is so soon. My yes. goodness. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming it's going to Peacock with like everything else. Yeah. And, and actually it's already on Peacock right now, but then after October 1st, it will only be on Peacock. Okay. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so they're probably going to advertise it as an exclusive after October 1st, probably a big get for them. Uh, just to keep it in the in the family, and uh, so yeah, I've been binging through that. Uh, right now, I just finished season four. I'm on episode. I'm on season five, episode four, five, I believe. And and so far, I believe season four has been the best season I've seen so far. Is when Leslie's going through her entire campaign to be a uh, councilwoman for Pawnee, and so I I love that season. I thought it was great. I love Paul Rudd being Bobby Newport. Uh, I thought it was really hilarious to have him come in and out of the show. Uh, so, yeah, I've been enjoying that. And then uh, I started a movie, Ernesto, that I know you wanted to check out. It's on HBO. It's called Richard Jewell. Ernesto, do you remember when that came out in theaters a couple months ago? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's on HBO now. I haven't had a chance to check it out. So would you? what did you think? Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed it. A, a lot better than I did Uncut Gems, to be honest with you. I know... Ernesto, you kind of—I had like mixed reviews on the film when we when I talked about it last week. I know that was a movie that you saw, um, but I, I figured it was going to be the opposite because I know those were two movies I wanted to watch. Uh, but yeah, Richard Jewell's uh, takes—it's—it's uh, it's based on a true story about an American security guard who was uh, there during the 1996 Olympic uh, in Atlanta, and then a bomb went off in the crowd. And he he found uh, the suspicious package and he alerted people to like move away. And then after the course of like maybe a couple of days that he was being praised as a hero for recognizing the package, they then went the FBI then thought he was a suspect. 
And so basically the whole movie is basically him being accused, falsely accused as a terrorist. And you got to see his whole process of like, you know, you got to see the events play out. Then him, his relationship with, uh, you know, the FBI, the lawyer that he hired and his mother played by Kathy Bates. So but she was incredible as well. So I, I thought it was a really, really good movie. Um, I hadn't seen a really good like biopic in a while. So kind of I was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I think it was nominated for I think Kathy Bates was nominated either for a Golden Globe or an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. I'm not sure, but she was definitely fantastic. And the movie all around is great. John Hamm is uh, the lead conductor of the FBI of uh, the, the oh. FBI. Um, so, yeah, he's in it. Uh, Sam Rockwell, he plays the lawyer. So he's also good in whatever he does. So, yeah, definitely recommend it for anybody who's looking for a good biopic that's available on HBO right now. Uh, and then that's it. That's all I've, I've been watching. Um, so now we're going to move over to uh, our spoiler review for the week. And I know we typically do movies, but this time we're doing a, a limited series called Unorthodox. Um, and it's based off of a of a novel. Uh, the unorthodox, a scandalous rejection of my uh, hadistic roots. I think I said Hasidic? that. Hasidic, yeah. Hasidic roots, yes. Uh, Hasidic roots. Um, uh, the novel was uh, off of uh, the real life, or at least part of the real life. Or the novel is based on the real story of uh, Deborah, Deborah Feldman. Feldman, yeah. And she also was part of, she also got writing credit for creating the show as well. So uh, Hadass, and, and as Hadass, you are Jewish yourself. So, you know, watching this, uh, this limited series, what were your thoughts on it? Okay, so I have so very many thoughts about Unorthodox. Um, and the first is, you know, I thought it was beautifully done. Uh, I, I read up a little bit on it. And, uh, you, you know, you mentioned it was Deborah Feldman's memoir. Yes. Uh, what I found out about it, which it was so interesting to me, is that because, you know, I haven't read the memoir and my my kind of chief purpose after watching the show in terms of just preparing for this was I wanted to find out how much of it um, was pulled directly from her life. So essentially what I've read is that everything in her marriage is true and everything that happened once she left Brooklyn um, was fictionalized because she wants to keep her own current personal life private, which, you know, full respect for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was very interesting for me to watch as a Jewish woman. I, you know, I, I'm sure you guys can imagine I did not come from a community like that, or I probably wouldn't yes. be here. It would probably be considered inappropriate and immodest for me to be talking on a podcast oh, right, um, right. and to be a news <laughs> reporter on television and, you know, yeah. wear short sleeves and do a lot of things. <laughs> Um, so I, what was, you know, I, I kind of had a lot of thought processes going on just because I, I've known a lot of, um, well, I don't want to say a lot, but I did know, um, members of the Orthodox community growing up. I don't know if they would be considered Hasidic, which is really the, uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the most observant sect of Judaism, but it's definitely up there. One of the most observant sects. Um, and what I've, what I found it, you know, I, I the people who I know who are of more observant sects of Judaism, it, what is portrayed, you know, sure, it, it is her experience, but it may not necessarily be 
everyone's experience. It's not everyone's experience. And I, I, I'm being careful with the words that I'm choosing here because I'm trying to, you know, avoid kind of a potentially hurting or offending anybody. Um, and it's not to diminish her experience at all because I, you know, one family can ruin everything. One community can ruin everything in a person's life. You know, her experience, she's clearly been through so much. Um, but in reading up on her memoir itself, and especially on uh, kind of stories that came out after her memoir before Unorthodox, there were a lot of very upset uh, Orthodox members of the Jewish community in the comments saying, you know, I'm an Orthodox Jew and we don't do this. We don't do this. These things that this woman experienced aren't what all of us have experienced. And so I do think that it's important kind of to, before I share kind of my thoughts about the, the TV show itself, to just put the word out there on that. And I hope that if anyone, um, you know, sees the show and doesn't have any sort of prior knowledge of Jewish communities in general, I hope that that's not um, their takeaway, that that's every Jewish person's experience living in a religious community, because it's not. Um, but that all of that being said, I thought it was beautifully done. I thought it was so incredibly brave of her to share her experience. Um, and I thought that the portions that were in her marriage, the portions that, you know, from all these write-ups were from her memoir were just so kind of gut-wrenchingly honest. Some of it was so hard to watch. And then her sort of personal liberation in Berlin, just the story that they mapped out for her was so beautiful. And, you know, everyone loves the story of somebody finding themselves through music. And so it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was nice to see it turn out that way. And just on like a more, like a, I don't, I don't want to call it a shallow level because nothing about the show was shallow, but just uh, a more surface level, I guess. The people who she found over there were all so kind to her. And I think that was just kind of sending the message that, you know, if you're in this oppressive situation, it doesn't need to be your entire life. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I liked it a lot. As I said earlier in the podcast, uh, it's so far outside of our very lighthearted pandemic viewing that has purely been escapist to kind of get us out of this um, you know, constant cycle of things coming in. There's kind of rough news every day. So we've stayed very escapist in our viewing. So this was, right. this was a great view to kind of um, mix it up. And it was just, it was so heartfelt. And I, the acting was incredible too. I'm sorry. I, I totally just branded there for quite a no, while. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> great. Uh, Ernesto, what were your thoughts? Um, very similar to us like i really i mean not me being jewish but just the fact that like i really enjoyed it um i really i like that it was shot like like a wind it was like a window into the world it was very intimate like you it was very like in your face like you yeah. like you like almost like you were her like you were living it through her her eyes almost um uh, I like that it was multiple languages throughout, like the importance of using the Yiddish language, even German language. Like it was a lot to keep up with, but obviously with subtitles, it, that makes that cuts that out. But and it was I mean, it was great. Overall, it was a great series. Very intimate how they portrayed the story. Um, and I love that they took great lengths to make it accurate to exactly how the community acts, or at least from the information they were given, they can be as they were as accurate as they can be. And the fact that they hired Yiddish actors. Um, did any of you watch the making of afterwards? I did not because I didn't know until I started reading up on it uh, that that existed. And so now that's something that I want to go back and see for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, I watched it right after I finished it. There was it was like rec- like you should watch this next. I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right, click. <laughs> I mean, it's only twenty. It's only like twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Um, yeah. yeah, they kind of they go in, they they kind of go into like how they did to recreate it. I thought this the most interesting was thing was about the hats, about those big black hats that the guys wear. I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly what they're called, but um, that they uh that they're really expensive because they're made from real mink. But they act how they got a costume designer from a theater company in New York, or, or was it Germany? It was in Germany, I think. Yeah. Um, that they got them to make them that on set that they had an entire tent full of just those hats because they had to make so much and keep them so prepared and make them look a certain way to make them look real. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with the both of you. I think for me, where the series, I think if anything, I was just more surprised of how much I really enjoyed uh the the series uh only because and i don't i want to quote and in that same uh documentary ernesto uh uh deborah fieldman uh, i want to quote her she said this about you know about the story she said dealing with a different language that no one understands with customs and rituals that no one understands but the essence of what's happening is universally understood and i thought that was very well said of my reaction to the series it was and and like you know Lately, Ernesto, we've been trying to do our foreign film of the month, as you know, and so we're trying to like to broaden our horizons with other films around the world. And I felt like this, if anything, could fit right in there. Yeah, it really could have because like I'm like I felt like I was like I was pausing to make sure I was reading everything on the screen because you don't have that that constant because because it wasn't fully in English. So you're like. Uh, you want to make sure you get the full story. You're not missing a phrase and you have to go back if you missed a sentence, if it went by too quickly. Um, and so like and then you had to I mean, I guess with the subtitles it made it easier. But, yeah, it went from Yiddish to German to English very quickly. And almost you had the same people talking in three different languages in an instant. So which is incredible. Yes. It's incredible. It, that just the fact that people just anybody who can speak more than one language, like right. just to have an appreciation for that and to be able to switch back and forth in your scenes like that and to uh, have those as your lines. That's, that's crazy. I also thought it was interesting that they made it a point to say, like they, to talk about the Williamsburg community and like how this community was born directly out of trauma. Like you have Holocaust survivors and families of Holocaust survivors being the ones who started this community. So it's like, everybody has that ingrained in their upcoming about what happened. You know, one of the things they talk about in the show throughout is that they have to re the reason why they have so many kids is because they want to rebuild the six million loss, which I thought was like, like, wow, that's so that's so interesting that that's how that that's like how you guys live your life. And I will say that um, that kind of collective mindset that is not unique to those, um, you know, ultra Hasidic communities, ultra Orthodox communities. Like I, I know I, I knew plenty of people growing up who would say if you're Jewish, you can never let your passport expire. Like there is just a certain. Uh, there definitely is a collective trauma in the Jewish community. Um, and it's it, a lot of it is just in, or I guess a lot of the coping mechanism is making sure that kind of uh, things are retold and that the understanding is out there because obviously Holocaust survivors are getting very old. Um, but And something that I appreciated that they did was that sit down moment. I want to say it was during the Passover Seder, but I, I can't remember for sure uh, when it might have been the rabbi, just one of the the men in the community really, truly explained that himself and the fact that in that community, in that particular community, they were so scared to 
you know, veer off at all from how they were supposed to be per the Torah because they felt that they were punished with the Holocaust. Um, and, you know, that's not something that I even necessarily knew was behind their ideology. So I, I appreciated that they kind of went out of their way to to spell that out within uh, within the series. You know, Adas, you make that. Uh, I totally agree with you 100 percent because and, and I'm not saying that the that this show at all made that community a villain in any way. I, I didn't see that at all, but I guess for 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 uh, for me watching this series, it felt like there was something that I didn't understand of why they were living in this way. But that scene very quickly may it helped me understand at least how the series was portraying this community, um, what they were trying to do and what the reasons were. And that's for me like that that part four at the very beginning. I was like, oh wow, I understand now you know, why everyone's living in this community, or at least part of it anyway, of why everyone was kind of like, uh, you know, living in this town. And like Ernesto said, they're trying to rebuild the six million lost. And like, to me, that that makes a hundred percent that it's it's clear, like, you know, yeah, I think if you felt like, you know, the entire, you know, your, I guess, entire life or your entire generations or line of generations or in your ancestors felt like you were just being punished all these years that, you know, this is now what we need to do in order to be pure. And so I, I really appreciated that scene. I think that also coupled with uh, another pivotal part in the story where there was one point, at least as a story standpoint, that we later find out that she was pregnant and I and I thought that would have been a great thing to hold out on at the end of the series, at least toward the end of it, because like we uh, there were about for the first half. We didn't realize or we didn't know the whole story of why she's ran away for the most part. And I, and I thought that if, if she was, you know, we later found out that she was pregnant, maybe in episode two or three. Um, I was like, oh, I, I think, you know, right now, I think that would have been like a good reveal to find out in part four of like, here was the big uh, underlying thing. But then they threw in that he asked for a divorce when she already got pregnant. I'm like, OK, there it is. So, like, I feel like you got you got two things in that scene, because one, like like you said, you had that whole scene explaining their you know ideology. And then you also have this pivotal story moment that paired with it right before the intro started. And then at that point, I was like, oh, wow. OK, so there was a lot more to the story than we didn't. She didn't just leave. She was trying and she was happy that she was pregnant because now she can do what she was, you know, according to the community, supposed to do, have a child and continue to rebuild the community, let alone, you know, now your husband telling you you want a divorce. It all makes sense of why you like that was that was the reason why you ran away. And that's where the story kind of kicked off. So I really enjoyed, you know, seeing that story unfold that way. And it, you know, it. I, I really just am so struck by how brave. I really, I want to read her memoir because I think it was so brave of her to share all of this. And I hope that if anyone else is in, you know, a similarly oppressive situation where they are just so unhappy like that, that they could kind of feel empowered to do something about it. Um, but th- th- something that I liked that they did too was that they were. They, they kind of, they had some gotchas in there, and it was. It, this is like 
completely spoilers on the table, right? Yeah, yes, it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, spoiler <laughs> review. I think I think we already spoiled a few things already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so the, the, just because I'm, like, literally about to lay out the whole last episode on the table, yeah. um, <laughs> the, the cousin, you know, they, they show you the gun so early. And so you go into the series, you know, I turned to my boyfriend and I said, oh, my God, someone is going to get shot by the end of this series. Like, we saw he has a gun. Um, and then just... It, that they've kind of set him up as a villain in so very many ways. Right. And then in the end, they really kind of, they turn around on it. And he, it, not that what any of, I mean, what he did was okay. Uh, but I, I thought that he was going to get tremendously violent and it wasn't okay. Any of what he did again, but you know, there was no shooting at the end. He, it, it could have been a lot worse. Left her alone. Yes. Right. Um, and you know, obviously he's still playing his day is the villain and it's not okay. Um, but I, I just thought it was going to end very differently. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I, I was kind of like looking at each character saying, okay, which one of them is going to go. Um, so it was an interesting kind of way that they set it up and then tricked you a little bit. I think they set up, I think Moshi is the, the character's name. They set him up a few times to give you that feeling. I, like I really felt that when he brought her to that empty lot um, with the gun, you know, when he had to re-explain to her about one of the bakers back in Williamsburg, and this is this was his bakery, and that's why he left, and why would she be here, and he gave her the gun. Another one I really felt it is when she was in the hotel room with Yankee, and she's getting ready to leave after he cuts his um the, the um he cuts his hair. He walks, you know, she's walking out, and then you they're going back and forth with him playing that poker game, like oh man, you already know, like they're setting up like. They, they might meet and then she gets ready to leave and he gets ready to finish his game and then they meet at the front door and it's like oh my god and it but eventually he just grabs her and then he goes away so you're 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 definitely right they they said they gave you those tense moments but they didn't thankfully nothing to that extent happened right yeah and I, and I think yeah, to, to to both of yours point uh, I think what they ultimately did with this character like he almost felt at the end of it now watching the whole story you felt sorry for him. In a way, like you, yes. you, you know that at the very beginning, when we were introduced to this character, you knew that he was a little bit lost and like kind of an outsider already in this community. And, you know, he did, I guess, bad things that they didn't agree with. And this was like his moment. So like, if you find uh, if you find Esther, then we'll bring you back, like with with no questions asked. So like you can tell that this was like his moment to. Uh, you know, to, I guess, you know, be on their good side, more or less. And so I, I think at first he was more or less taking it seriously, as well as, um, you know, doing whatever he needed to do on it. And then eventually I felt like he slipped back into his old ways, which it looks like it was gambling. I believe that's yeah. what his his main thing was. Um, I don't think he was much of a drinker. I don't think they, they established that at all. But I, I think his main thing, because he was always playing. Yeah. He was a smoker, right? Um, I know he was like playing like a uh, you know gambling or like a, a slot machine on his phone. They, all hint, the time. they hinted that real. They hinted that really early on, like yes. you know when they were sitting on the bridge and he was just playing the the little slot machine left and right. So they dropped little hints of that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, and so like eventually you can you know when uh, Ernesto, when you're talking about that that interaction between Etsy and and uh, or I'm sorry Esther and um, Mushi, yeah, uh, they. You you did feel like something was maybe bad was going to happen because for her character at that moment, she kind of overcame like this was 
She finally met her husband. She already, you know, said there were, I'm not coming back. Like for her, that was a big character moment for me. Like I confronted, you know, my biggest obstacle. And then as she's going down the stairs, here's one more that could be a really big threat who's willing, at least how the show portrayed, to do anything to get me over there. And then he just stumbled in and just pushed her aside and, like, he's whatever. And, like, for me, that you just felt sad because, like, you know that he maybe could have tried, but to his better judgment, he couldn't do anything, you know, about it. So, like, it's interesting to see what – if I don't think the show will continue because it obviously was – it was it, this is a full contained – four episode story but i was just i'm curious to see like where that where that character would have landed if they had more episodes i think if he would have lost that poker game that interaction between them would have been different because he would have been in a more upset angry mindset i think him winning was like if he had won that's the show that his addiction won over what whatever whatever he felt over her you know right so I interpreted that um, that poker game, and maybe I misinterpreted it, but I thought that the two of them were cheating in some way, maybe counting cards, because they shared mm. a certain look. Mm. And so, I again, I, I could have completely misinterpreted it. Well, he um, could have. But, no, but I thought, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they really just set you up to think that he's going to take her back by force, and that ultimately all he really does is kind of resort to psychological torture which right. again is not okay either yeah. um but it, it's it's just so interesting the magnitude to which you are set up to believe that things are going to escalate yeah uh, big yeah. sigh of relief i'm glad there was a happy ending there um i guess it, kind of going back to like the beginning of this of the the first episode like I not to say that I had any reserves, but like I know the type of shows that I like. And, you know, when you about to start a show, especially that's not in your language, um, you know, I had some sort of like, all right, I feel like, like you already had certain ideas walking in. Like you think this is going to be a serious drama. You're expecting, you know, certain things to happen. But I was very pleased of how the pilot was because I felt like I was hooked a hundred percent like the whole time like the show literally starts with her more or less running away and like the music was intense there wasn't really a, a slow build-up it was just here it is like we are we are doing this right now and for me that got my attention and then i think i felt like because of that because it hooked me very right at the beginning i was able to follow the story and not really mind that it was uh, in a different language because you're just like you got hooked so early and then you you don't really know why you later find out in the series why and you get the whole story but you kind of like okay where is she going why is she going all the way to berlin she's in new york what's in berlin like you like you have all these questions already um and all you know for the most part and again with with little knowledge of myself of knowing you know how the um the the orthodox you know how the, how that community is um i didn't really know why or you know reasons why she would leave so like for me this was a whole learning experience all around uh you know especially and i thought the first episode really kind of nailed it on the head on like really getting you hooked and not like this is not like a slow burn drama at it by any means yeah uh was there any uh and then you have uh i guess uh Going back to, I guess, specific characters, you have Yankee, who he was, I guess, always troubled or always felt like he knew 
or was told that these things should happen. Like I always felt like for him specifically, I was, I was never like on his side, but I was never not on his side as well. Like I felt like I felt, um, I kind of felt for him as well because there were some areas in the show where they showcased that he just didn't understand like of how, how certain things were and how other things on the outside world worked. And so I think with his character, you slowly get to see him. I I, I think just learning, just learning about other things that were happening in the, uh, in, in the world, like how Berlin ran, how other people reacted to certain things. And by the end of his uh, end of the series, you realize that he felt like he understand. But as uh, uh, Esther said, it was already too late. Yeah. I, I feel like I was with him to a certain extent, like just along the lines of what you're saying, where you do feel some kind of empathy for him until uh, that moment when it became clear that he had so heavily discussed um, the option of divorce with his mother, as he's right. been discussing every minute detail of their marriage with his mother. That yeah. would, I think my jaw dropped to the floor when he was like, mother says I'm still young enough to remarry. Like, oh right. no, he did not. <laughs> he was already in there with his mother before he even tried to talk to, to Esty about it. And, you know, you, but it, it does seem again, like that, all of that was kind of just pulled directly from her memoir. I, I don't know, like down to the, the minute detail, how, um, how exact it was but but she said in interviews that her mother-in-law knew everything about their marriage and so you know I, I cannot imagine being in that kind of a situation but he does he tries to redeem himself at the end and it's so interesting because it's such a, a sad symbolic gesture when he does you know cut his hair um yeah. and it and you wonder like kind of like obviously his motivation was to bring her home to bring the baby home but you have to wonder a if the baby wasn't a factor would this have happened and b just kind of what he really was feeling underneath all of that like did he really truly care enough about her to do this for her or was he just doing it to try to make a statement they're just i i like that the show leaves a lot of questions unanswered in the end yeah you almost you almost like you look at him and you see that he's just fully ingrained into this community and everything that they tell him. Like he just follows whatever they say word for word. Like he follows the word of his mother. He reads his Torah. Like he's by the book 100%. Like he, like to me, he's like a purist. And it's, but at his core, I mean, I, I felt he did care for Etsy. And I think, like as we kind of mentioned, that haircutting is the sim, is that symbolism of that exact moment of us showing that that he does care. Because I mean. Even when he barges into her mom's house, you know, he gets angry, but he he takes a second, he puts his head down and he goes, I'm sorry. So it's like, well, that shows that he does show empathy. He does care about he does at his heart care about other people. So he obviously must care as some in some way or fashion about his wife. And then, you know, Hadassah, you were saying, like, it does leave open a lot of questions. And even the way I read that scene, yes, he did cut his hair. But I honestly felt like it was just so things can get back to some sort of normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, he's like, okay, if I do this, well, then, well, now would you come back? And I think that was almost the immediate question he asked. He's like, will you come back now? Is this is this almost like, is this good enough? And, 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 and no, it wasn't, uh, obviously. Um, and I also like how the, the show ended. It was also open-ended. I guess, you know, if anything, there was just, like, a lot of beats that, you know, we didn't really find out if, you know, she ended up getting into the to the to music school. 
Right. Uh, we didn't we didn't really find out. There wasn't a resolution to a lot of things the movie or the show set up. But I think, you know, we can at least tell based on where it ended. There was a it was a hopeful ending of like whatever she does, whatever happens. She fe- she felt like at that moment she was free from, you know, from everything that she was going through. They left it open. They left it open in you so that because that her getting into the school, it was important, but it wasn't as important. It's about her just getting to that moment of having that chance to perform in front of the, all those people. And let me tell man, what a beaut. She sang so beautifully. Right. That was great. That was a great, great scene. Uh, did either of you saw that coming as far as like. Obviously, the, the, the show was playing up that she was, uh, uh, you know, she played the piano. And so and then even like when she played in front of the group of people that she met, like one of the uh, I guess one of the students just kind of ripped her apart. It's like you are never going to get into the school. You are years behind. I mean, it was a nice melody, but like you're not getting in. I'm sorry. Just being honest. Don't want to get your hopes up. And I honestly felt like she was preparing like maybe something up her sleeve of of just a song that she maybe had written or like a piano piece that she was going to play. And for me, I didn't really see, you know, her singing because the show never alluded to that. Yeah, I did not see it coming. Not at all. I was very surprised. And she has a, a beautiful voice and I don't recognize the song that she sang personally. Uh, but it, it seemed to be something pulled from, you know, from her experience back in the community. I, I felt just based on the fact that it was, um, I mean, it, it sounded like the Yiddish from the rest of it. I don't speak Yiddish. I speak Hebrew. Um, so it was, it it definitely caught me off guard and in a good way. Um, in that scene, I actually read on, um, entertainment weekly that that song was the song that the men sang at the wedding. That song Uh that she sang at the end. Okay. Okay. So they tied it back. Yeah. It was just, it was very subtle. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hadass, <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts on the wedding part of, of the series? Um, well, I can tell you that I have been to a wedding that was somewhat similar, um, just in the sense that, and I was, I was 11 years old and it was, um, you know, a, a relative of a friend's wedding. And, uh, so we're just kind of a couple of us tagging along as friends and uh, they have the the separate sides for the men and the women. And, you know, a, a couple of our friends looked like they were a lot younger than 11 years old. So it was OK for them to go over on the men's side. Um, and we stayed over on the women's side the whole time. And so I, I you know, and I, again, I this is not the sect of Judaism that I grew up in. So I don't want to try to position myself as any kind of an expert uh, with regard to the more orthodox customs. Um, but it, it seemed from my point of view to, to be pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, the fact that, uh, Deborah Feldman was overseeing, I, from what I understand much of the writing, um, I would imagine that she, that was probably important to her to just kind of preserve the accuracy of the, the big traditions that are involved in all of it. Um, and I thought it was interesting just from, a character standpoint, how nervous she was. Oh yeah. My God. yeah. Um, that, that I, I'm blanking on the actress's name right now. Um, but she just, I thought she nailed it all throughout. The main character, uh, Shira Haas. Yes. Thank you. 
yeah, I felt like that was a very just strong moment. Again, all the the acting credit for her, because for me, she sold that because for me, like two things I was watching. One, I was seeing customs weddings like that was very new to me. I had not seen Same. a wedding like this before, especially one that is, you know, definitely separated between men and women. But it looked like they were having two separate parties almost. It was like, hey, congratulations, husband. Congratulations, wife. We're not going to celebrate together, but we are celebrating this. We're, we are celebrating together, but we're not, you know, just trying to respect one another. And not even the people who were already married, which I thought it was kind of interesting as well like you would think that maybe if you were already paired off you would maybe dance together but that's not how that i I think that there are some and you know again the one that i went to was so long ago but there are definitely some moments and some traditions where you kind of bring both sides together but the overall kind of overarching concept is to kind of have the two different sides for sure right And, and even there was a moment where i think they were having either dinner together or they were like put in a side room and they were like you have seven minutes and i was like you have seven minutes to like to to what? Just say, uh, you know, to, to say hello. Did you enjoy the ceremony? Like enjoy your lunch, and then you have to go back into the party. And it, it was almost like like at least in, in this community, like they will give you guys a moment to yourselves, but not much. The rest of it we have to follow by tradition. To me, I was just blown away by that. Of just like you just have a small moment of just I guess in some cases maybe intimacy, but also. Not really. It was almost like it was like scheduled in there and it looks like it was all that was for was just like, or right, we're, we're going to eat while we talk about whatever we want to. And even the person that was in there, they're like, don't worry, no one can see you. So you guys can either do or say whatever you want. But I felt like at that moment, they didn't really know each other either. So it was, they didn't really have much to say. And I think they also were just resorted to, I think just holding hands or maybe just touching hands at some I point so, of yeah. that scene. And I think I think he wanted to kiss her, if I'm not mistaken, and she kind of pulled her away. I, I think I could be mixing up two scenes. Um, but uh, I just I just found that all fascinating of how that kind of played out. The best the best part of the wedding for me was like how they 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 bring you up to this moment where you actually see her experiencing joy and then it's immediate cut to her getting her head shaved. Like yes. the very next, like that was like oh okay, oh we're back oh we're, this is sad moment now okay like it's just yeah. like very one to the other I kind of like how they did that like like this is what it's supposed to be and then this is what happens immediately after right and I I did know um you know women who had done that growing up and it took me years and years I always just thought that they had perfect hair that was always in place it took me so many years before <laughs> I knew that it was a wig um so that you know that's definitely a, a custom that is interesting yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and and I and I think the way that they kind of played off the series as a back and forth you get the stuff that was happening in the past and the stuff that was happening in the present I think that that played well with a good dynamic and almost played well with each other of like you know you see her going through this forward journey and especially again going back to the first episode where she was very closed off and she was she was the character herself was like she was very to herself but also she you knew she wanted to I guess try to be like not, I don't want to say free but like try just to explore the opportunities she has so like she met with her friends or not her friend but she met people that she basically invited herself to this lake 
And then she sees this entire thing. Everyone at the lake kind of just like, you know, taking off their clothes, jumping into the water. And like, that's something that she doesn't, obviously that's not okay. And I think that was a powerful moment when she took off the wig and just let it, you know, rest in, in the water. And she's just, you know, it kind of, I feel like it all sank in at that moment for her of like, I guess, accepting where she is at that moment. And, you know, she, she did it. Um, and kind of where, you know, where the rest of the series kind of moves forward with it. And then, you know, you get, I, I think you just get more understanding. I think, you know, there, there's been many shows that kind of take you to moments in the past and then kind of, you know, there's a, there's a linear story that's happening at the same time. Um, and so I, I really liked how they decided to portray the series uh, with that, because I feel like as she is moving forward um, with her present day uh, struggles, we see her in her past struggles and what she had to go through and kind of more or less leading up to the moment where she did run away. Um, and then they also kind of gave a really good, uh, I guess, surprise with the mother as well. They were very, they held that story very tight up until the very end of the series of, you know, why we were always assumed to believe that she left her for some reason. And we later find out that she was also part of the community. I, I believe she was. Is that correct? Yeah, she had left. Um, I think she mentioned maybe 15, right when her daughter was three, she left. And then now, you know, they took her away from her through court. Right. And so I, I felt that was a good way because I guess the series was kind of portraying her as, you know, you're just a mother who left your daughter. Um, and I'm surprised that, you know, maybe the daughter would just didn't want to listen to what her mother had to say, or maybe she was too young to understand exactly what happened. But I, I liked how, you know, as her daughter was basically going through the same thing that she was, you know, then there was now a clear connection of like, okay, now we can talk and now you can understand. And now we can grow as I'm assuming anyway, uh, a mother daughter relationship that's going to happen in the rest of this, I guess, uh, story um so yeah i think i think those so far that's our you know the biggest takeaways from it is there anything else you guys want to mention before we move on you know i i thought it was a beautiful portrayal um i'm dying to read the memoir now i think that's gonna that might be my <laughs> next book that i read uh, so you mentioned the going into the lake uh when you kind of look back on the show holistically, I thought it was so symbolic because uh, there was the whole scene with the the mikvah where she the the ritual bath where she had to go, where everything had to be so exact, where she had to, you know, make sure there was no dirt under her fingernails. They were cutting right. her fingernails down to, you know, the the very tip. And uh, it it was so when when then you consider the scene with the lake, that was almost like her real mikvah because the, the mikvah in Judaism is it's the ritual bath and uh, not everyone necessarily uh, does it, but it's, it's a thing that some Jews do before certain rituals like getting married. And so when you then kind of look at the lake, it's like, it was, this was the real ritual for her of entering kind of the, the next stage of her life and actually uh, being able to be liberated. I, I kind of think that was sort of her first, real moment of freedom where she, you know, she took off the wig. I'm certain that she never would have walked around in the water in front of men before. Right. And it, it was just, it's very, it, overall, I, I just thought the series was very moving. And I just keep, I, I know I keep saying this, I'm so struck by how uh, brave she is to just kind of share everything that she has been through. 
I think for me, the, um, something I actually found in the making of is I really appreciate the costume and production designers because they were taken around Williamsburg and they, they took so many pictures and videos and just, you know, the level of dedication they put to make sure that it was accurate. I thought that was to tell this story that like everything needed to be on 100% on point. Um, they made, I like how in each episode they made like certain parallels, like, you know, in part two, you have the wedding, like, and the school application parallel, like that's the back and forth between that, that episode. So it's like, you're seeing both points of her life, both two turning points of her life back and forth. You know, in mm. episode three was the whole thing. You know, they open the episode with her mom <laughs> um, when her mom comes into the apartment and she gives her the lube, the bottle of lube for, oh, their, yes. uh, for yeah. their problems and trying to, you know, that was the cold open for that. And then that episode ends with her having sex with the German guy after they go to the club. Right. Uh, just I just I love the level of detail they put towards that. And I'm, what do you got, Matt? Yeah, I, I think uh if, if anything, we're all kind of saying the same thing of just like, I think this is a very beautiful show. Uh, like for me, it was very eye opening. I think I have a better appreciation and if anything, more of an understanding of like how other communities live, if you know, if any like that. So I and kind of the same thing, what we say about, um, you know, when we watch our foreign film of the month, you kind of just broaden our horizons. And I feel like this is also in the case of just you know, you are understanding how other people live and it's not a wrong way of living. It's just how other people do it. And then, you know, and you understand that. And if you understand it, then, you know, you just, you just broaden your mind. And so I appreciate the series for what, um, for what that was able to do for me. And so if anyone's interested in watching, like we said before, it is on Netflix. It's, it's a four episode limited series. It's very short. It runs about three and a half hours if you decide to do it in one sitting. Um, so, so yeah, I think, uh, definitely recommend giving it a watch. Very well said, Matthew. Thank Very you. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, Adas, we're going to talk to you now. Okay. Uh, you are a special guest, so we want to learn more about you. So, uh, first off, like we stated before that you are a local reporter here in Orlando. And so I, I'm assuming that's not always, how, how'd you get started with, uh, with, I guess your journey of getting to this point? Uh, God, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> uh, you first start off when you were born. Far back as you want. <laughs> you can start yeah. when you were born and then move up from there. Like, you, when, when did you your take first, first thought? First thought, first steps, when you, what was your first word? <laughs> first so sentence July, you ever 1990 wrote. 1990 <laughs> redacted. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I made the decision, uh, in high school to try out journalism and then in college to actually go for it. And my first job out of school, uh, I did some stuff on the assignment desk uh, back at a station in New York, which is where I'm from. And for if anyone's listening who's not super familiar with news operations, the assignment desk is kind of the uh, big center of all of it, where the story ideas are coming in and the story assignments are going out. Um, and so I was just kind of there helping out with that and assigning stories. And then I got a, uh, a job reporting and producing at, uh, a station in Jackson, which is, uh, Wesh's sister station out there. And, um, so I, you know, I've, I've sat in the control room with the, you know, with who you guys are with all the time, Bridget yeah. and yeah. all, our, all <laughs> yeah. our pals on the morning show. Um, and you know, and it's I respect everyone who does that job so much because it's a lot of pressure to be deciding which stories go into the show. And then, uh, 
you know, now the, the job I do at this point is telling those stories. And I, I like it a lot. It's uh, some wild hours that we work, certainly. But once the coffee kicks in, I'm generally. What's <laughs> <laughs> right. so a while they, they let me sit on the anchor desk on the weekend and then I get to see you guys a little more than usual. And that's uh, oh, yeah. always a good time, too. Um so, yeah, it's an interesting job. It's different every day. Not as different every day now as it used to be, since right. we are more or less covering I, not every single day the same topic, but a, a lot of the days we are covering the same topic. Um, but it's still in its own ways different every day. You, you said that you, uh, you know, you said you got into journalism in high school. What, what was what was that moment where you knew that you wanted to do journalism like what what was the thing that attracted you to the field so I have always been into performing and writing those have kind of just been my two big passions and I I guess the best way to put it is that I was trying to figure out uh for college purposes what is the best uh outlet for that when it comes to choosing a major etc and uh, I did a presentation in my 11th grade AP English class and my teacher, Mrs. Wallace, who was wonderful, <laughs> um, wrote on, we got these very, it was, I think it might've been like an end of the year project because she wrote us these incredibly detailed notes on um, how we did. And she said, if you haven't thought about journalism, you should probably go into journalism. And I'd had sort of little flashes of considering it here and there. Um, you know, we had, I, I don't even know if I could call it a news station at our high school. It was more just a, someone who worked with the school would kind of uh, have students record these little segments. Um, but I was such a theater kid. I did not even have time to do that. Theater ran my life in high school. And so I'd have <laughs> a lot of little things like that where, you know, news had popped up and I'd thought about doing it. And I always appreciated kind of um, being in the know about what was happening in my community, what was happening across the country, et cetera. And so, um, you know, my parents had told me to do it as well but no one ever wants to listen to their parents when they're in high school and so then to have this, to have this uh you know a, this teacher who uh was so harsh to all of us but really became a mentor over the course of that year to hear it from her I think was really the impetus when I said okay so you know people who aren't just my parents think that I should do this I should probably give it a shot um and so when I I went to Michigan and when I got there uh, everyone, you know, it was it was pretty well known that they had a, a pretty good, well-established uh, student run TV station that did a, a whole bunch of different kinds of programs. And I just went and tried it out and said, OK, this is going to run my life for all of college and uh, for many, many years after. <laughs> <laughs> so we see and, yeah. we have here that you won the best franchise reporting award from the Associated Press in 2015. For a story you did on the allegations of the Jackson public school system and how they were changing student, students' semester scores to help them pass. What was, what, can you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, so Jackson is not the smallest town, but a very small community in the sense that it's it's very easy to kind of get in there and meet a lot of people who know people who know people. And then all of a sudden you have a crazy amount of story tips coming in. And I just happened to be talking to a friend who was a teacher and she was pretty beside herself because uh, she was telling me that uh, essentially they were putting in these grades for students who just, you know, did not show up to class, did not do any work, et cetera, as, you know, the grade, the numerical grade that they actually earned. 
And regardless of what they put in, it was coming up as a 50. And so ultimately, you know, if, if it was below a 50, I'll put it that way. Um, so what was shaking out essentially was that um, if a student were to skip an entire semester of school, more or less, you know, pop in here and there, they could still wind up with a 50 and that could enable them to still pass the class. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Right. So it was it was very interesting. We did two reports on it. And in the first case, uh, the school district just flat out denied it. Um, and we had report cards from teachers that were showing, you know, this is what's been happening. We had some uh, interviews with teachers, et cetera. And then when we went back and did a second report on it and asked uh, the Mississippi Department of Education, hey, what happens if they're doing this? And, you know, the, the answer that they came back with was more or less this district would be in a tremendous amount of trouble for starting a grading policy without seeking out uh, the proper feedback. And then the district backpedaled and said, oh, it's a computer glitch. Um, so, you know, I, I do believe, honestly, that I left Jackson uh, shortly after that. And the, the district has seen uh, some ups and downs since then. And I, you know, it... I, I hope that the way that they are going is just fairness to students, fairness to teachers, and uh, fairness to the district as well. And I, I suppose I, I can kind of forget that. Yeah, yeah, that's great that you were able to bring that story to the community to make everybody aware about that. Uh, what? How can can you explain to us your? I guess your your day to day. Um, are you like, how do you, I guess, start your morning? You know, are you more like, how are you on the field, especially right now during the pandemic? I'm sure your day to day has been a lot different than it was when we were in a pandemic. So I'm not sure if you can kind of, I guess, briefly kind of go over what it used to be. And then how is it really now? And do you think it's going to stay that way? Well, the chief difference for uh, my day to day is that I don't ride around with a photographer in the live truck anymore. I drive my own separate vehicle. And so that ends up, uh, and you know, obviously we're doing that for social distancing. There's, excuse me, there's really no way uh, to have even three feet of space between the two of us in the truck, let alone six feet. Right. Um, and so what that means for me is that my window to get my story done before I hit five o'clock is a lot smaller than it used to be. Um, it, you know, whether it's 20 minutes, 40 minutes, that's all time that we would have been in the truck and I can be doing research on my laptop and writing and kind of taking my sweet time. So, um, this has definitely been an exercise in time management. Um, <laughs> And honestly, I have it's it's good once in a while, I think, to get a challenge and feel good about how you've handled it, because certainly we have had days when we have been very up against the clock. But I think, uh, you know, for the most part, it's been this exercise that has ended with me sitting back and saying, OK, you know, we made it work. I you know, you just tweak things here and there and you make it happen. Um, beyond that, I think it's just kind of um, making sure that we are handling things safely. So there's a lot more uh, Zoom interviews than there used to be. I don't know if I had ever done a Zoom interview specifically uh, before all of this went down. Um, obviously, we're wearing masks everywhere we go. We used to do a lot more um, interviewing in people's households. That's 
really not something that we are doing these days, just trying to find our best uh, or trying our best to find ways to, you know, either do an interview outside or just over Zoom. Um, in terms of whether we will go back, um, it's, you know, it's tough for me to say because we have been working out of the building and in separate vehicles for so many months now that it just feels like normal. Right. And uh, it's, it's just always once you're used to something, it's, it's, it's a whole kind of task in itself to imagine, okay, what would it take to make everything go back? Um, so I guess, you know, this is something that newsrooms everywhere are dealing with, uh, just kind of figuring out what those metrics are to, you know, okay, we can have people go back in the trucks together once we see this happen or that happen. Um, Obviously, I'm not the one making those decisions. Uh, so I don't I really I honestly, I truly don't know. So it will be interesting over the next six months over the next year to see just kind of what the the processes are, what the, the ultimate results are in the end. Now, you, you mentioned that, you know, I'm sure you, you, you said when you were on the live truck that you have time to either write or edit or to perfect your story on your way to either that story or the next story. And so I can only imagine that, you know, that drive may only be 20 minutes, but that 20 minutes is is all the difference in the world by getting what your story across is. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's just straight up in a, a chunk of my day that doesn't really exist anymore. But uh, the kind of the flip side of it is that it is, you know, whether it's 15 minutes, half hour, whatever, that's now a chunk of my day when my work is to be driving. And right. that's all that it is. And that is time that, you know, obviously I'm thinking through my story. I'm thinking through everything that I need to do to accomplish uh, getting that story on TV. But I think to a certain extent, it's also uh, maybe a little relaxing. So it might be at the end of this because, you know, I, I just end up having to do more before I leave home. I end up having to just, you know, maybe ask a few more questions uh, when I have my call in the morning with, you know, our executive producer, whereas before I would have had a little more time to research. And so that driving time, I want to think that it's making me a little more centered. And so then when I get to wherever we're supposed to be, I, I truly want to think that I am just in kind of a a more calm place mentally, I guess, to just knock out the story and go. Because honestly, beyond that, I cannot explain how we've been getting it done. Like my time <laughs> skills have never been better. <laughs> and we've, we've just been making it work. So it's, it's been interesting. I can say that it's been very interesting. And I, I think that uh, the, the move that they made to uh, allow us and then, uh, you know, just have us drive our own vehicles uh, from a very early point on was something that helped me to, to feel pretty safe throughout, you know, because we're out in the field. Ultimately, we have to be kind of making the, the decisions to, um, you know, we, we've got to have the antenna up. I guess I'll put it that way. Um, keeping the masks on, making sure that if if we're in an area where people are coming up to us, it's just time to go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's been it's been very comforting that it's been made very clear to us that that is a priority. I'll put it that way. <laughs> right. And, and it sounds like there's a lot of positive thinking there. I mean, I know there's a lot of, you know, 
un, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, bad or just like a lot of changes that happened since the pandemic has has started and we're all kind of here adjusting to certain situations. So it sounds like that even when giving a new situation to deal with, you're looking at it as an as in a positive way. Or at least you're looking at it as in a positive light. You know, you, you had those 20 minutes to do something else. Now you are just reflecting on it and kind of making mental notes is what it sounds like before you actually sit down and actually write uh, those things. So, like, you are working, but, like, driving can sometimes calm you in, in, in a sense. Right. Just because we can't be operating at that same kind of frantic pace that I think most of us reporters are used to. Uh, you know, we are constantly multitasking because we're trying to get the story done and find other, you know, pieces of background for context that we would need and what we're going to post about it on social. There are always just so many things that we're doing at the same time. And ultimately, when you're driving, all you can do is drive and think. You yeah. can't do anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Would you say that that made your job more difficult in, in a way or, or any part of the pandemic that made your job more difficult? That's a, that's a very tough one to answer because I, I think kind of, kind of yes, kind of no. Um, and I guess at, this is, guys, this is a tough one for me to answer. Um, I, I think that we're just so used to having to adjust to new situations as people who, who work out in the field and, you know, we always have very tight deadlines and there are always strange circumstances that we have to adjust to. And this has definitely been kind of uh, the biggest and strangest, but, you know, we've adjusted. I think they're, you know, just kind of keep trucking on, I guess. Right. <laughs> Um, so when, especially for us in, in, in the movie world, uh, we recently had a passing of Chadwick Boseman, uh, which is, you know, holds very dear to my heart since I'm a, I'm a big Marvel fan, any Marvel fan, and as well as what he did for movies, as well as portraying, uh, you know, a lot of biopics that he's done and, and portraying a lot of famous African-American uh, uh, figures in, in history. And so we saw that on your Instagram page, you had a chance to to interview him. So do you mind just talking us through that process, how that was, just, you know, get, kind of seeing what type of guy he was? Sure. Uh, I was... When did Get On Up premiere? I think this was in the spring of 2014. And uh, the, at this point, I was mostly doing the, you know, producing in Jackson. I only got to report a couple days a week. And so it was very exciting to me that when Get On Up, which was mostly filmed in Mississippi, um, or maybe entirely, I, I can't remember to be honest, but um, it was filmed in Mississippi. So they chose to do the red carpet premiere in Mississippi. And it happened to fall on the day that I was the reporter. And I was lucky enough to be chosen to go cover the red carpet, which, you know, like, can you imagine someone telling you something more exciting in your entire life? Like, okay, yeah. go like your story today is going to be talking to movie stars. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Like I definitely went out and got a new outfit because I knew that this, <laughs> I was so excited guys. Uh, and, uh, I, I remember as hot as hell out that day. And so I was like everyone's hero because I had a fan like yay big, um, aka tiniest fan in the world. Sorry, guys, this is a podcast. People can't see. Um, but, I, you know, so the, everyone's just kind of passing through. Tate Taylor directed it. So uh, we got to talk to him. And um, Chad Bozeman was he was the star. And he was, and I was one in a million reporters. There, not literally a million. There were probably like a dozen of us. Um, but so ultimately, I feel like such a phony thing. Like, oh, I got to interview Chad Bozeman because I got 
I got probably like 60 seconds to three minutes of Chad Bozeman's time, but he was, he was so kind and friendly and smiley and, you know, he, he was just a really sweet guy and I'm sure they were all very hot because it was such a gross day and he didn't, you know, that these, these people, sometimes you could just feel from them that they are a star. Like he wasn't particularly famous yet at this point, but right. he, he, he rolled through just everything is cool in the world. It's not a million degrees outside. And um, yeah, he was, he was just very sweet and it was, it was wonderful getting to talk to him and, it was, you know, he, again, he, he wasn't super famous at that point, but I, he kind of stuck with me mentally because, you know, you have that experience and you feel pretty cool about it. And then when he went on to be Black Panther, it, and again, this is something that is so silly, but it, you know, it felt like I was like cheering on someone I knew. Right. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I felt so cool. I was like, I talked to that guy and he was so nice. And look at him inspiring so, so many people and just being such a role model for so many people. And, you know, the guy the was it Kimmel or Fallon that did the the reveal where they they had this poster of him. And they oh, it was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Jimmy yeah. Fallon. Yeah. They would bring in one person after another and say, oh, talk to this poster of Chadwick Boseman and tell him how much his role in Black Panther meant to him. And then he comes out and surprises them after they've given these incredibly emotional speeches. And like he, just seeing him do all of this, I I was just like, yes, like you go. You are so <laughs> awesome. And I the fact that he hid his illness from the world, you know, and, and we've seen like so many things about it, like people saying, you know, there are some things that are for family and not for Facebook and ultimately so true. Um, but it's just it is such uh, it shows such a strength of character, I think, that he did choose to keep that private and just for the world continue to be this inspirational figure. And so, you know, obviously I, all of us were so caught off guard like a, this was and, you know, celebrity deaths are always very upsetting when there's someone that you looked up to. But this one was just so it seemed so sudden and obviously it wasn't. Um so, you know, it was just what a loss. You know, you I really just feel like he had so many incredible roles ahead of him. Oh, um, yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. And, and you know, I guess it, it was it's, it's really nice to hear that he was just a nice guy. You know, you, you also there's also some uh, there's some sayings where, like, you don't never want to meet your hero. Um, but it's like he could have been, you know, he could have been a real asshole. And, you know, that would not have been great. Uh, but it's nice to hear that, you know, you were able to at least talk to him and kind of give us all reassurance that, you know, he, he is an, as nice as you would see him in, on anywhere else. And he was I feel like he was just every time I've seen him in an interview, he was just very like he was just something wise, something wise to say. He like yeah. he almost thought about what he wanted to say before he said it type of situation. Um, so, yeah, that that's good to hear that, you know, there was a good experience that you were able to have. With it, And then um, I can only assume that, you know, just you being at the red carpet alone, you know, how how was how was that to do to do that experience, I guess, for the first time? Like, were there certain things that you had to do? Obviously, I'm, I don't think you stayed to see the movie or anything, but like to see like a row of celebrities kind of walking by, like, was that just a surreal experience for you? It most definitely was. Um, it honestly, I. 
I think what was good, because I was, I was still relatively new at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm someone who can keep their cool. I don't think I got overly <laughs> starstruck or anything like that. But they did. Uh, they had our chief photographer come in that day. And he and I always, when the memory pops up on Facebook, we share it back and forth with each other every year. <laughs> like, remember what a fantastic day this was. And so I, I do think that, that that helped to keep me grounded a little bit because he had for sure seen his fair share of exciting celebrity stories before. Right. Um, and, you know, here I am, like, feeling for the the only time in my life, like, I'm, a, you know, like, this e-news reporter. <laughs> like, it was, yeah. it was awesome. It really was so awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was in it, because it, it was a while ago. I think he's, I want to say he was the biggest name. Can I IMDB this real quick? Because I'm, I'm sure. trying to think of yeah. who, else, who else did I meet. Um, and, I, you know, I say meet, talk to you for, like, one second. Get on. Um, the, the uh, Dan Dan Aykroyd, Nelson oh, yes. Ellis, oh, my God. Dan Aykroyd. Viola Davis. Oh man, Viola Craig Davis Robertson. Was not there. Okay, oh. I can tell you who was. I I actually don't remember if Dan Aykroyd was there, but and I'm about to sound like so snooty, but um in the in the pre, in the lead up to the red carpet event, um Dan Aykroyd did an event in Jackson where he was promoting his vodka brand, and oh. so they had me go get. Um, a story on that. Uh, and so I met Dan Aykroyd pre-red carpet. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? Like, ooh. Ew, that's man. a big name drop. Yeah. <laughs> I have a picture with him, but he has a hat on, and you cannot even tell that it's him. And it, what a shame. <laughs> um, I'm looking through. I think, I honestly think that, um, that Chadwick Boseman might have been the only really big name who at least walked the red carpet, who we had the opportunity to speak to. Um, we did get to talk to uh, Tate Taylor, who is another one who, um, because of the help, which, you know, is in Mississippi, mm-hmm. uh, we had interviewed him for another story before, too. And it's, it's odd, honestly, it's odd just being a reporter. You you don't think that you're going to meet a bunch of celebrities in Jackson, Mississippi. So it was right. a, <laughs> a, a collection of really interesting, cool experiences. Uh, so, so it's a great day. So besides your obvious wonderful experience with Chadwick Boseman, um, what are some other memorable moments from your career so far? Say any highlights, good moments. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, This is always such a hard question because I have so many things that I want to share and I don't even know know where to go with it because it's this giant spider web of the the stories over all of the years. And uh, there. I mean, if we're talking just in terms of fun stories, we've gotten to do some really cool stories with the parks over the years. Mm. Uh, If we're talking in terms of impactful stories, I never feel that we are more important than, you know, not to do the collective horn of a news reporter. But um, when we have hurricane coverage and, you know, I'm not talking about the lead up in – like it, it might be bad here tomorrow. No, uh, the those times when we are relaying just truly that crucial information, and um, when we were out in Orlo Vista for Irma, that is just a day that I will never forget. When they were the National Guard, they were rescuing all these people from these flooded homes, and uh, it it was a long day out there. You know, we work uh, in when we're in hurricane mode. We work 12 hours on 12 hours off. And I think that we were actually in that neighborhood for 12 hours just because there was, there was so very much going on. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's been 
a very meaningful uh, several years, and there have definitely been some fun, awesome moments. And uh, it, it feels good to it, also just to tell, you know, we get once in a while to really tell a story where you feel like you're helping somebody. And there is nothing that feels better than that. And sometimes it, it can be frustrating when you put the story out there and ultimately maybe they don't get um, the outcome that, you know, you would hope that they would get. But uh, when, it, when we do get to feel like we are helping people, it's so very meaningful. That's why we get into this. Right. Um, if there was anyone listening to it now and who's maybe aspiring to be a reporter or just work in journalism, any word of advice you'd like to, to give them to like, you know, follow their dreams more or less? I would say make sure that you are checking on yourself as you are covering these stories. Um, I think that we, I mean, I know we, we cover some really heavy subject matter and I've, I've seen some people just burn out pretty badly over time. And I, I just think, you know, everyone says, ah, self-care, self-care. But I, I really do think that in our industry, it's so important. So that's kind of on the, the deeper level. On the more surface level, I would say, you know, no one wants to hear somebody who sounds like a reporter anymore. Uh, <laughs> they want to hear someone who would just, you know, they are talking to you. They are having a conversation with you and they are keeping it real. And uh, all right, so Adas, we have one more question for you, yes. Ernesto. What is your favorite movie? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> that question gets everybody. Everybody, we get everybody on this one. <laughs> Does everyone have the same reaction that I have? Where they're like, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. So I have had some enduring favorites over the years. Um, one that I can watch over and over again and it might not necessarily be the most uplifting movie it may not be the deepest of movies but some would argue that it is quite deep um, but i can watch it over and over again and i find a different takeaway every time is 500 days of summer oh, i oh, love that oh, okay I don't uh, think I've ever seen uh, that one. uh why why would you why why do you why is that one the one you go back to the most Oh my God. I just, I, 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 it's such a typical story and then they take it and So Ernesto, you haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Matt? No. Uh, I've seen, I guess I have. Do I remember it? No, I don't. <laughs> what I like is that it's so typical and atypical at the same time. It's a love story, but it's not a love story. It's a breakup story. And just the way that they set up so many things throughout the movie is so beautiful. Uh, there's that one scene in particular where they, you, you see the same scene in kind of this split screen and there's mm. expectations on the left and reality on the right. They just take advantage of so many opportunities to have these really beautiful and heart wrenching moments. And I feel like everyone watches it at some point in their life and empathizes with the guy who's been broken up with. And everybody watches it at some point in their, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like everyone's seen this movie a dozen times. No, they haven't, but, <laughs> but basically you can watch it. And depending on where you are in your life, you find yourself um, empathizing with someone different or just taking away something different from it. Um, and, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm talking about it like it's like some grand Oscar winner, which it is not. But, um, it, you know, I just I just think it's a lovely movie. And, uh, yeah, I 
have seen it many times. Big fan. Yeah, that's it's just something. It just seems like something that you really resonate with. Like, you, there's something about that story that you just re, you really resonate with, and you just want to keep going back for more. I think you know everybody's got their story. Like, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but as long as it makes sense to you, that's really all that matters. <laughs> I appreciate you telling me that. Yeah, I usually give I give good words every now. I get a good yeah. one every now and then. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go around and say like legally blonde, you know, like that that one scene in the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't there like a, a typical saying like the the director made a movie just for one person, and so for you, you were the one person for five hundred days of summer. Was that one person? There yes. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hadas, thank you very much for joining us today. We really do appreciate you coming about and, and talking movies with us. Thank you guys. This has been a blast. Hopefully. Uh, can coerce you to come back <laughs> yes oh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> uh, if anybody wants to follow you or follow your work where can, where can they find you uh sure so my instagram is at hadas btv uh my first name is spelled h-a-d-a-s my twitter is at hadas brown wesh and i have a facebook page as well with the same name all right. Well, again, Adas, thank you very much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. And as always, we always have fun talking movies with you, especially around the newsroom when when you do make a visit and you do anchor on the weekends. We get a chance to yeah. chat about that stuff. So. Hopefully again sometime soon. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, if you want more from us, you can always visit us on our Instagram page at box office underscore bingers. You know, you guys can always come over on Mondays for Movie Showdown Mondays on Wednesday. We'll, we'll play a little TV tune for you or a movie score, and you guys can guess. Next day, we'll give you the answer and some fun facts. I know Hadas likes this one. We do every Friday. We do new to stream Fridays, which we guys, which we let you know what's new on all the streaming services. Uh, so yeah, all all the good stuff there is on our Instagram page. Instagram page. I did it again. Instagram. Uh, it's okay, Instagram. Matt. You try. Instagram. <laughs> on our Instagram page at box office underscore Avengers. Thank you again for listening. For that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. And Ernesto Santos. See ya. <laughs>